If I walk into a neighborhood that I know is filled, if I go into the the Tenderloin in San Francisco, and I know that there are homeless drug addicts everywhere, and it's three o'clock in the morning, and I have in one and I have in one pocket, you know, ten thousand dollars in cash, just kind of slightly hanging out of the pocket, and in the other pocket, a giant fucking hoagie sandwich, <laughs> and I fall and I fall asleep on a park bench. Am I? It, it, whose fault is it that I'm that I'm stolen from and maybe killed? It's my fault. I knew that was coming. It was yeah. the the writing was on that. Whether or not I like it, whether or not it's right, whether or not it's just, yeah, that's my fault. I could see the writing on the wall, and I chose to flaunt it anyway. Ultimately, if you can't <laughs> own if you can't own your shit, then you're destined to live your life blaming others for your problems and never actually yeah. fix them. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> So Friday was my 57th motherfucking birthday. And happy birthday to you. Thank how you. how was it? It was fun. Fun. Just had a uh, just a just a nice fam low key family. Um most of the prizes that I got were for my new apartment, so that's exactly what I asked for, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um you know, given given the very very low bar that the previous year had set <laughs> right. uh for birthdays, uh you know, they could have they could have hit me in the face. They could have said, "Hey, line up and we're just going to hit you in the face over and over with like I don't know, sticks." And it would have been better. So uh Flaming so sticks anything covered in yeah. in human excrement. In, human shit yeah yeah yes, exactly so yeah so and as always on friday i uh i put my 56 years and or 57 years and still standing i put my piece where i write down the lessons of my year and what a fucking year it's been one thing i think we have to clarify because people don't i feel like people stumble on this so you've turned 57 you are now 57 mm-hmm. years old Yes. So you've had fifty-seven full years, yes. on this planet. Yeah. Yes. That's how I. That's how I tabulate it. Is while I am, I've, I've, I am. You know, I'm fifty-seven years old. Mm-hmm. So today, I look at my past fifty-seven years. This is my fifty-seventh year. You have begun your fifty-eighth year now. That is correct. Wow. So yeah. So. Um, Let's talk about the things that you've learned. Let's talk about this All tradition right. of yours that has a well, let me, let me, a different tone than usual. Yes, it does have a different tone. All right, let me give you the, and I wrote this down, but let me give you the quick hits. If you haven't been listening, let me give you the quick hits of my year. First, I had the single loneliest birthday I can recall, despite the fact that I was with my, at, at the time, my wife, um, despite the fact that, uh, we had dinner at Gordon Ramsay's and I paid for us to go see a not so great theater piece in Las Vegas. <laughs> it was the night, it was the day and the night that I realized that, that, that our, our marriage was, de- had definitely shit the bed, but I didn't really have any indication of why I could not figure out why 
our marriage was such a, has had just completely fallen apart, but I didn't know. I just knew that it was happening. I could see it happening in real time. Mm -hmm. So then I left soon after my first, my 56th birthday, I left a stable, but ethically questionable copywriting job with the comfort (laughs) of knowing that the years, yes, with the comfort of knowing that the years of savings and hard work would cushion me financially until I made writing freelance a viable income, except that in April, my wife of seven and a half years and keeper of the copper parachute informed me that she had a long-term boyfriend and had been working for nearly three years as a prostitute. So I hid in Las Vegas in, in, in that Las Vegas apartment for about four months trying to get my head around that while she was practicing her trade of stones throw away from said apartment. I finally decided that my fi- my family needed me to help with my dad's failing health and that I needed them to find some clarity in a world that had spun completely out of control. And now five months, some substitute teaching, some casino surveillance, and a lot of wound healing later, I snagged a job working as a promotion and events director for the five top radio stations in Wichita, Kansas, and I just nailed down an apartment. So I, 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 will, I will say, I can say that I didn't live with my parents for more than six months. Well, this just, it, what this shows is that you're living a, a fairy tale. I mean, it's, only I don't fairy know tales have perfectly is. happy endings like this. Although this is, I, you know, that's the thing. There's no, nothing perfectly happy about it. I'm still, that's, that's one of the things I tried to explain uh, in a Substack piece I wrote uh, last week. It's just like, it's the reason I have, because the smart call is to just live at home and save money. You know, and pay yeah, you back, there's... pay my mom back, and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, there's that point, and the analogy that I made is like if you fall off a roof, a three story roof, and you land on your back, and you break a bunch of fucking bones. <laughs> And you tear a bunch of muscles. Well, you've got to have convalescence. You know, it's like if you if you live, you know, you got to let the bones kind of restitch and the muscles. Yeah. Well, you lay there for. I mean, that's what you do. You lay. You know, you lay in a bed and you convalesce. You get better. But yeah. There's a, yeah. Yeah. But there's a point in convalescing where you can you you know that the bones have stitched. They're healed, but they still hurt, and it hurts a lot to get up and walk around. Now, at that moment, you can choose to say, you know what, I just need more convalescing and continue to just lay in bed until you get emotional bed sores. Or (laughs) you can uh, get up off your ass and start retraining, learning to walk again, like pushing yourself, get those muscles back in tone so that you can get up in the ring and fight again. There's a lot of of metaphors in that one. Um, and, And that's why getting an apartment now is exactly the right thing because I feel, I feel like the bones have stitched together from this experience that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not so, but I still have huge, huge arguments with my ex-wife, despite the fact that I've blocked all communication with her. My brain, Mm. sometimes at night I lay there and I have an hour and a half of just, you know, negotiate, trying to get her to feel remorse, talking about why I have those conversations in my head. So I know I'm not over it, right? but I'm definitely, the bones have stitched together. So now I got to get up off my ass, go get my own place, um, be self-sufficient and gain some of my confidence. Because one of the things, I, I, here's another metaphor, sort of like if you got into a bad, bad car accident and, and just barely survived, mm-hmm. every, time you, every time you got behind the wheel, you would feel this massive anxiety. Yeah. 
I feel that way about everything right now. You know, it's like, I did like, okay, so I'm going to get this apartment and the woman calls me and she says, yes, we're going to, we've approved your application and this is what's going on. And I can't feel comfortable until I get the lease, until I get the lease emailed to me, until I get a lease. And, to, and now I've signed the lease and I can't feel comfortable till he signs the lease and mm-hmm. sends it back. I mean, I mean, it's just this, when's the other shoe going to drop about everything? I go yeah. to my my job and I love my job, but every single day I go, so are they going to come in and fire me? I don't know. That's <laughs> not, it's, it's not logical that that's going to happen, but that's sort of the feeling. And so I got to, I got to get up off my ass and uh, get off the crutches and, and get some stuff done. And then I'll, uh, and then I'll, uh, well, you know. I'll be, I'll have, I'll be that guy that, that, that managed to survive this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There's a, um, and it's funny like that you're the, 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 I don't know if fear is the right word, but the, the concern, the irrational concern that they're going to yeah. fire me. I'm not going to get the apartment. They're going to pull the application or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's no fun thinking no. like me every day. That's how I think yeah, every I, single day. Like when is the shoe going to drop? Yeah, what's when, when is this when is this false this false fairy tale that I'm living? When does you know, when does it end? What and, yeah. and I the thing is, inevitably I know bad things are gonna happen, but I have learned lessons uh in this year and uh and unlike like you said, it's a little bit different tone. Um this is this is a bit more serious of a year and uh and I like my lessons. I thought a long time about these. Yes, as let's, I am let's talk to about do. them. Well, all right. So the very first lesson that I learned in uh, in my fifty seventh year was that it's a little more complicated. This, but red flags exist for a reason, <laughs> and more and more importantly, I would argue that red flags in human beings are not warnings of what might happen, like a sign on a Chicago building declaring that ice might fall. They are predictions of the inevitable, mm-hmm. of consequences that almost always will happen despite your best efforts to avoid them. People can change, but no one can do the changing for them. And those red flags, those red flags are things that are going to happen. And if you can't recognize that that's the case, then you're going to end up with a prostitute for a wife. Yeah, but the thing with that is, Don, is if you don't see the red flags, what do you do with I that? Did. Because did you? Because... That, but, You've been Dude. saying your story has been, and of course, you know. I just want to make sure. I want to check your hindsight here. That's all. Yeah, because yeah. Because no, and I, you were warned. You know, like I Joe know. specifically I was like, "Look at these red flags here," and you're like, "Nah, nah, 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 no. Come on, come on, no. See, come on. That no. See, that's the thing. The lesson again. The the, le- the lesson is multifaceted. I did see the the red flags. I mean, I saw, I saw how she treated me. I saw that when I met her, she was living in for free in a room in a guy's a hoarder's house um, to escape an abusive boyfriend who fetishized her and, and, and pasted hello kitty stickers on her door um, (laughs) because she used to dress up like hello kitty and give him blowjobs. And I mean, so I saw all the red flags, but I thought 
like the man who builds a, a balsa wood house on Miami Beach, I thought, well, surely the hurricane can't hit me because I'm that special. Mm. I'm that big a deal. I'm that fucking amazing that these things cannot possibly happen to me. And what I've realized is that the red flags exist to prove to me that that I'm not... <laughs> I'm I'm no different than anybody else, yeah. and that sheer sheer will can can change me. I mean, I can say sheer will will lo- you know I'll lose eighty pounds and work out, and I'll, I can get a job. I can, you know, but sheer will will not change another person to yeah. fit what you see them fitting, and and so those red flags. I think the lesson that I have to learn is. Because I did see the red flags. I mean, mm. I can say, that's the thing is I can say, oh, I didn't see it coming. No. And the thing is, if I really looked, it was all there. It was yeah. all right in front of me. And I didn't want to see it or I justified it or I pretended that I was badass enough to handle it. Whatever it was, Yeah, it was hubris. It was just overconfidence. Who the fuck knows what it was? But the, the fact is... My 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 lesson has to be that it doesn't mean that I have to see red flags everywhere, and that's not the lesson. But the lesson is that when I see a red flag, instead of assuming that it's not that big a deal or that it will be something I can overcome, take it for real, take it seriously, yeah, and know that it's not just a warning of what might happen, especially when it's people. I mean, if it's like, hey, danger rocks falling. Yeah. Maybe they're going to fall. Maybe they're not. That's a warning. It's a red flag. It's a sign, but it's, you know, but a red flag in a human being is, is, I mean, I knew the thing, but as I knew Tyler, as an example, my, my yeah, uh, assistant at WBZ, I knew from the minute he was hired based on what he said and how he got the job, I knew that he would, without even thinking about it, throw me under the bus and betray me to get ahead. I knew that. And I ignored it. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, Lily B, I watched Lily B clamor for attention and and importance in a tiny little sector. And anyone that uh, who who did not give her exactly what she wanted in terms of deference, she would turn on and tear apart in a second. I knew I she did Scott Whitehair. She did the Ricardo Gamboa. I knew she was good. It was obvious that that was what was going to happen. I saw those red flags. What my lesson has to be is that when I see the red flags, instead of just assuming that they don't apply to me, <laughs> yeah, look at them, look at them seriously, and say, okay, this is actually, this is actually a serious thing, and this is going to come to a bad end if I don't if I don't pay attention. And you bring up an interesting point with the you know, ice may fall, you know, the rocks may fall. Like the dip, those aren't red flags; those are yellow flags. That's caution. The, Exactly. So recognizing the difference between what is a yellow flag and what is a red flag. And yellow flags, mm-hmm. sure, take the chance, see what you can figure out, take the risk. But red flags is, yeah, get the fuck out. The house is on fire. There's carbon monoxide leak. And there's a woman dressed like Hello Kitty, culturally appropriating somebody um, somebody else's culture and sucking some dude's dick. Stay away from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep, I learned, you know, and, and, and the thing about it's it is good this lesson. is a and I think it's a lesson that will stick. And like a lot of lessons, I mean, if, if anybody, and I don't think anybody but I, have gone through years and years of my lessons, but one of the funny things that I always recognize is I, I tend to learn the same lessons over and over. Yeah. And I think that's pretty normal. I don't think that makes me unusual. Uh, but uh, this is this is one that I think I will not soon forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Second one. 
Uh, family is a key to survival. Um, and that is not, it, it's not as obvious uh, as it seems. I've always been, and it's just part of my nature, I've always been kind of a rolling stone. Mm-hmm. And I've, one of the stories my mom tells that when I left after graduating college and I stayed with her for a couple months and then just got up one day, filled my, filled my Bronco 2 with shit and said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I didn't know where I was going. And she didn't know where I was going. And to hear her tell it, she didn't know if she's ever going to see me again. I mean, it was dev. That's the thing is, I don't even. I didn't even realize at the time that it was a real devastation for my mom because she thought, well, my son's leaving, and I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. And I ended up in Chicago, and I stayed there for thirty years. But she didn't know how things were going to go. She just saw that I because I've always been that kind of, you know, I don't know if it's contrarian or just independent or gypsy or whatever. Not supposed to say gypsy, but uh, whatever it is. I'm always going to be that, but it took me to be 56 years old and then 57 to understand that when the shit really hits the fan, man, your family's there for you. Uh, At least mine was. I don't know if anybody, I can't really speak for anybody else, but my family fucking stepped up and, and they gave me a safe place to crash. And while I don't necessarily need the cheerleading that I get from my sister or my mom or my dad. It is really nice to have. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not gonna dismiss it. And but I needed a place to crash and I needed family to be around me. And uh and it took me it took me this long to kind of be reminded that yeah, here's a lesson that that don't 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 spend too much time away from your family. Your family's important. Yeah, there's a um you know, if you're lucky, you've got a family that you get along with most of the time and that is kind and caring like like you have, like I think I have. But there's also, you know, if it's not, if you don't have the perfect relationship, family is contractually obligated yeah. to, to take you in and, and help out as, as best they can. It's their job. You know, that's it's the whole thing, job. like, and I've, I've written about this and talked about this a lot, the the unconditional love that a you know that a a father has for a son or a mother has for her child or you know whatever it is uh or grandparent has for their it's it's not unconditional because no the condition is that you know you're my son or that's my grandfather or this my mother my my you know would Jeffrey Dahmer's dad have loved him if he wasn't his son probably not no. but the condition. Well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I think my I think my sister, if I weren't her brother, she probably wouldn't have anything to do with me. But we yeah. still love each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because and not not that like we're we don't like each other. It's that I am very vocal and very public, and I'm very out there, and she is very private. And so I make when I I make one of the things that's very funny. It's one of the jokes is that uh, she hasn't gotten past just calling literate my blog. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever she's got like some, like she's telling a story the other day about her friend from high school who's having a lot of drama in her life. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. And I said, why not? She goes, all right, I'll tell you, but you got to promise me you're not going to write about it on your blog. <laughs> like I'm going to write about her fucking high school friends. However, that's sort of the relationship my sister and I was like, dude. You loudmouth motherfucker. Yeah. I try to keep private, you know? And so, yeah, I, but the fact is she is my sister and she loves me and I love her and, you know, that's, and we're there for each other. That's, yeah. that's yeah, I mean, important. I, I don't think I would be friends with 
my brothers, I mean, you know, my brother Eric and I, we don't have a lot in, I mean, we have a lot in common, but like if we were just friends, like he's really into sports, he plays golf, he's in a, you know, he's a financial planner. Like that ain't my, that ain't my world at all. That's not your world. we'd We'd have to get past a lot of stuff before we figured out like, oh, here's what we share in common. But that's also because we grew up together. We're three years apart. Like, you know, we have such a similar... Yeah. Experience my brother Steven. I don't think I'd be friends with him because he reminds me too much of me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I see that. Like, so yeah, yeah. Family is key to survival. That's yeah. yeah. What do we got? What's Third, number three? Number three. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Now the thing is, I've known this for a long time. Now, you've but you've written this, about this. Yeah, I've written about this, but it never really this sort of recovery process in the last nine months. Uh, very few things have, very few lessons have really come home to roost. You know, that was nice to write a, a, you know, a screed for the, the Gen Z to quit whining about their lives when I write about pain and the inevitability of pain and the choice of suffering. It's a different thing when I am confronted with the fact that, wow, this thing happened to me, this, this experience, she who, she who slept with men for money while married, you know, that, that mm-hmm. I was, that, that, mm-hmm. that I was blindsided in a way that I just didn't, you know, it was huge. It was very dramatic yeah. and it was very painful. I had to actually own sort of a, a thing I've been saying for years and actually practice it, you know, and that, that, that suffering is like I said, at the beginning is like, that's why I got to get an apartment because suffering, suffering is a choice. Wallowing in your pain, crying about it and, and saying, I can't get up. I can't. I'm so anxious. The fact is I'm anxious about every choice I make because I'm afraid that it's just going to go fucking horribly wrong. Yeah. But I also recognize that if I don't make those choices, I'm just going to get stuck in sort of this pathetic victim status, grievance orientated bullshit. And I, I can't live like that. I don't know how anybody lives like that. Although it seems like lots and lots of people in America find great comfort in living like that. Uh, But uh, the thing is, you're always going to have pain. It's, it's, it's it's just going to happen. We live on a planet whose entire focus is to kill us for food, (laughs) for other things. Yeah. So yeah, pain is going to happen and there's nothing we can do to avoid it, but to choose to suffer is a different thing. And I choose not, I choose not to suffer. Uh, I choose to just endure my pain, take my lumps and move on. You have chosen wisely. Yeah. And, and, and in keeping with that, and this is probably the most, yeah, I don't know if this is controversial. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's probably the most, uh, wow is, you know, goodwill hunting. Uh, Robin Williams kind of cra- finally cracks the hard exterior of Will hunting by saying, you know, he said, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. And he breaks down and he cries. It's not your fault. Well, Robin Williams would have to look at me if he wanted me to crack and say, yeah, it's your fault. It mm-hmm. is your fault. It is your fault. Because that, that fact is the reason I'm, in the situation I'm at right now, the reason I was in the situation back in April, um, the reason I was in the situation seven and a half, eight years ago when I married her, those were all my choices. Those were my choices. I chose to do those things. And if I can't say that my choices result in something I have to say is my fault, 
then I'm never going to own my own shit. And if well, I don't own my shit, I'm going to blame it. I'm going to blame everybody for my pain. I'm going to go, oh, woe is me. I'm going to blame it on luck. I'm going to say it's about luck, which is such I, a I fucking. Think I think it's different. It's bullshit. No, this is my fault. I well, here, here's the thing. If you hadn't seen the red flags, it would not have been your fault. But you saw the red flags and ignored them. David, I, and I got to say this with all, and this is how I start the piece when I write about it. Let's be fundamentally, let's just get right to the basics. Getting engaged after the third date and then getting married in four months to a stranger is fucking stupid. Everybody knew it was stupid. Everybody thought, and I was so enamored of my own fairy tale badassness, my superhero origin, you know, that I (laughs) thought, fuck you, I can do this because it's a great story. And the fact is, it's fucking stupid. And 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 I I should have known then, but that was a choice that I made. So everything that followed is my fault. I chose to have this experience. And I could see, I could see those things happening. I could see, and if I didn't see the red flags, if I didn't see the red flags from that experience, then it's not that I, it's, it's not that it's my fault. It's that I'm fucking mentally retarded because they were pretty obvious red flags. They were very obvious. And so anybody could have seen them bringing, bringing strange men's strange men home in Las Vegas and just saying that she's just trying to make friends. Any moron could see that's some bullshit, and I still refuse to see it. This all is my fault. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to beat up on myself and I'm going to say, oh, I'm a bad person or I'm stupid or anything. I'm not stupid. Um, And the reason I'm not stupid is that I can recognize that that it's my fault, that I did this to myself. I put myself in this position. I I led myself down this primrose path and I got devastated for it. And okay, yeah, own I mean, it. There is some comfort in accepting things that are your fault. Um, you know, because then you can look at it and say, well, I will be sure not to do that again because, you know, because if, if it's not your fault, like, what, are, what are you going to do? If it's, if you don't, if you see all green flags, you run into it and shit goes terribly wrong, I had no idea. I couldn't have prepared for this. This was not my fault. But if you go into it knowing and it plays out exactly, like you said in the beginning of this, you know, it plays out exactly as it was meant to play out. It was going to play out this yeah. way no matter what. So you, you can you can learn the lesson better that way. So, okay, fine. It was your fault. You're, and you, it's not, and I want to I want to point out I want to point out that it's not that I'm saying that, that everybody needs, I mean, I do think, you know, it's like, okay, so if I go, if I, if I walk into a neighborhood that I know is filled, if I go into the the Tenderloin in San Francisco and I know that there are homeless drug addicts everywhere and it's three o'clock in the morning (laughs) and I have in one, and I have in one pocket, you know, $10,000 in cash just kind of slightly hanging out of the pocket. And in the other pocket, a giant fucking hoagie sandwich. <laughs> and I fall and I fall asleep on a park bench. Am I, it, it, whose fault is it that I'm, that I'm stolen from and maybe killed? It's my fault. I knew that was coming. It was, yeah. the, the writing was on the, whether or not I like it, whether or not it's right, whether or not it's just, yeah, that's my fault. I could see the writing on the wall and I chose to flaunt it anyway. Ultimately, if you can't own, <laughs> if you can't own your shit, 
then you're destined to live your life blaming others for your problems and never actually yeah. fix them. And so that's 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 kind of what I'm talking about for me. I can't say it for anybody else, but I'd definitely say it for me. Well, your your uh, hoagie and, and ten thousand dollars story reminds me of my buddy Ziegler before he died. Uh, when we were in college, we went to New Orleans. A bunch of us in the newspaper. There was a, a student journalist convention, so we all went down there. And our, I think our second to last night, maybe Ziegler got hammered and passed out, like on some steps in the quarter, just like passed out on the sidewalk in the quarter. And when he wakes up, his wallet is gone. This necklace that he yep. wore that had sentimental meaning was gone. He'd been m- mugged. And he mugged. was, so it was all his fault like, though. And he's like, oh, all fuck this fault. city, fuck this city. I'm like, dude, you passed out in the fucking quarter. What, what do you, what you do you chose, like you did, you made choices not, to drink yourself city. into a drunken yeah. stupor. You <laughs> chose to drink so much that you passed out. This is your fault. You chose that. Well, I, I even think it's, it's more than just, you chose so much that you passed out. It's that you, you, or you drank so much that you, you passed out. It's that you chose to pass out on the sidewalk, get your ass well, no, home. He, he didn't. The thing is, he drank so much he did. He'd lost the ability to choose where he passed out, and that was the choice that he made. I'm going to drink so much that I don't even have any agency. You know, it's you know. Let's be honest. It's like, uh, do you, you know? I don't, I'm not going to go into the whole rape thing, but it's sort of like you know. Oh God. What? <laughs> Well, no, it's the it's the it's the whole thing. It's like, all right, I get so goddamn drunk. I've drunk to blackout proportions, and yet wake up and think I've been raped, and now I'm raped. Well, if you're so drunk, and the guy is so drunk, nobody has any agency. Nobody has. You made a choice to get so drunk that you've lost your ability to choose. At that point, it's two people can only blame themselves for being in the situation they're at. But again, I'm not going to talk about anybody else accepting their own fault this my circumstance my fault yeah next one three marital strikes and i'm out okay yes yes no i get it the adage is to never and i've heard many people say when i say this never say never including my father yeah never say never you know what (laughs) That is some bullshit because you know what? You know, one of the things I say never to that everybody's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, say never to that. I would never light my face on fire. I would never ingest plutonium. (laughs) And for my experience, marriage fits right in with lighting my face on fire and plutonium eating. So I can say never, and I think it's a pretty, it's a smart, yeah, it's smart. I've been down the I do train three times, and apparently, no matter how hard I try, I'm not good at it. It's like walking down a flight of stairs and tripping down the landing every single time. You know, maybe you stop taking those fucking stairs, okay? And so... Yeah, so unless she's wealthy and old and I can't say no for the payday coming, I'm going to live out the rest of my days as a bachelor. That was my plan before I met Katie. <laughs> so I think it's a see, good one. See, there you go. So, well, see, that's the thing is now I'm, I've, and, and that's the thing is I'm confronting the fact that it's very interesting that, that I am 57 and I look at that number and I go, motherfuck, I'm fucking old, man. Yeah. But I don't feel, I don't feel that old now this is not to say that you don't know 57 is 57 it's not the new 40 or any of that bullshit (laughs) yeah let's not do that um yeah it's not it's it's the number of years i've lived so i'm you know but in my mind 
I'm three years from 60 and that, and in my mind, 60 is fucking old and I mm. don't feel that old. And, uh, I figure as long as I'm, you know, it's like the difference between working out so that I look good and hot. So chicks will fuck me and I'm working <laughs> out so that, so that when I'm 70, I can still walk a block. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. You know, that's kind of where I'm at, but it's, it's, it's very interesting that I'm going to live the rest of my life. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure I'll have a girlfriend. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I will. I'm not that interested in it. I'm telling you. No offense, and it's really no offense to the state of Kansas or the city of Wichita, but man, the fucking women here. I, it doesn't matter who I see when I go on these meetings. It's like, yeah. I know. I th- I think to myself, oh, maybe she'll be hot. And it's inevitable that she's going to be sort of a, a, a fat, ugly woman. I mean, just <laughs> everywhere I look, just everywhere I look. My mom and I went and saw, we went and saw a show at Broadway in Wichita, so legally blonde because she'd bought tickets for my sister and she, mm. and my sister blew her off to watch the Chiefs. So I went with her, <laughs> and uh, and it was fun. But one of the things my mom's going to the bathroom really long in the bathroom, and I'm looking at the audience, you know, like as they're kind of milling around during the intermission, mm-hmm. and and I mean, there's not, and I mean, there were a good five thousand people there, and there wasn't one, there was not one woman in that entire room that I didn't go, wow, she's a fat, ugly broad. 5,000 people. Well, I mean, it's a big auditorium. So, you know, and it was a full house. It was a full house, but it was just like, Were the performers on stage attractive? No, they were heavy. There's, there's that millennial thing or that generation Z thing where it's like, Hey, we're gonna do it. So all, all, all these, all these women that were supposed to be like these hot teenage like these college co-eds, yeah. They, you know, they they've all got these giant asses and thighs bigger than mine, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm not into that. Okay, I mean, it's fine. It was a fine musical. They sang well. Yeah. But no, no, I'm sorry. You're just a bunch of fatties, and I'm just not into it. So sorry. <laughs> you know what am I gonna do? Yeah. I'm a dick. It's just you know this no, is. Man, I am definitely their... coming back into my own. There are plenty I of be people a who are who are into the fatties. That's a thing. Like, look, man. Everybody eat to each their own. That's what I'm saying, but I'm saying I'm at, I, there, there's a reason I should be a bachelor and and we've just kind of stumbled onto one of those. Next one, (laughs) shame and blame are past focused. Hope and forgiveness are future focused. And that's something I, I, maybe I, I always kind of knew this, but it's a lesson that really coalesced in this process of sort of like getting past this is that I can feel shame and I can blame her for all this bad shit, but that's all stuff that happened and it doesn't really help me as I'm moving forward. Yeah. But hope, hope for the a better future and forgiveness of, and, and forgiveness, this thing, I don't want to say that forgiveness is not like saying, all right, it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of the need for that personal justice and just moving past the hunger for retribution. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying, go ahead and walk all over me because it's okay that you did a shitty thing to me. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, it is not important to me that I get some sort of comeuppance Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. And that's what forgiveness is to me. And, And that is future focused. I do it for myself. I hope for myself. I'm not going to worry about shame. I'm not going to worry about blame. And I don't honestly think, I think we would be a much better country, just a society, if we focused more on hope and forgiveness and far less on shame and blame. Because shame and blame is all about the past. It's 
that's good advice. It also, um, that hope and changey stuff, the hope and forgiveness stuff, you know, it's very, uh, Baraki. I like it. It is very Obama-ish. Yes. It's very good. Uh, next one. Optimism. And you and I talked about this on the podcast. I, there was a point where I felt like opt my optimism was gone. Like yeah. it was never coming back. That was I, when like, I got optimism, like really worried. Yeah. Like I really yeah. didn't feel any kind of hope for my own future. But I realized in this coming, the last nine months and the last year really, is that optimism is like Groot. And if you're not familiar with Groot, you haven't watched the Guardians of the Galaxy. But Groot, you can blow him up, mm -hmm. but he still grows back, still grows back and he dances. He dances when he grows <laughs> back. And so that's kind of how my optimism feels like. It's right now, it's a baby Groot. Mm -hmm. And it dances. And then when uh, Drax looks over, he freezes because he don't want to be seen, right. but he dances. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the, actually, no, I take that back. I'm, I'm more like my optimism right now is the Groot at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Where he's listening while they're fighting the giant demon beast, dimensional beast, and he's listening to uh, Blue Mister Blue Skies. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, and he's a little pissed. He's a little feisty. That's that's where my optimism right now is, and that is uh, that's something I, I didn't know you could grow it back, but I like that you can. So that's yeah, that's that's that lesson. Yeah, I mean, Don Hall without his optimism is. Uh... Yeah, what it, it's um, it's like Star Lord without his uh, boots. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, Don Hall without his optimism is weird. I, I mean, it's that simple. So it's good. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it's it's good that it's uh, right now an adorable little uh, preschooler Groot who's a little pissy, um, a little mischievous, um, but we know is going to grow up to be a a strong tree once again, and perhaps well, one day your optimism he's will. Getting help Thor uh, get a hold of a Stormbreaker and help See, save the there universe. You go. There, there is a purpose for it. All right, next one. That moment when you think you can't hang on for another second, hang on for 10 more seconds. And this actually, uh, this this lesson actually connects to a, a, a six things that I have. But um, the idea, it's like, I, can, I, I can't even count the number of times in the last nine months where I just didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah. Where I, where I just like, I, I just wanted to give up where I just wanted to go. Like, I mean, I remember, and I, you know, this is something I haven't, I don't think I've ever said this out loud. Um, but I mean, when I was driving from Vegas to, uh, Wichita, I can't, there's no, there's not a number. I, I, it's gotta be 10, 12 times while I'm driving. I, I seriously, seriously thought, well, what, what would be wrong with me just driving off the road and wrecking mm -hmm. this fucking Prius? Yep. I mean, I really thought, and I did, there were, I, there were stretches of highway where I just really was contemplating just jamming that fucking steering wheel and just saying, fuck it. Yeah. And, and I don't think that was so much suicidal as it was just like, I just didn't see any point. And that's the thing that I can say, having kind of come out on the other side, you know, finding a job that actually is a real job that pays enough that I can actually live and, and is fun, you know, is, mm -hmm. is yeah. radio. It's, it's a good time. And, and you've really got purpose people. now. I mean, they, they yeah, rely and, on you. They, they need you. They yeah, enjoy and find, having and you find, around. Yeah. I'm finding a really like kind of the apartment of my dreams. It's very funny that, that, that <laughs> took this to kind of find, but I mean, this is like the apartment that I've always kind of wanted and getting that it's like, all right, so 
when you hit that point, and that is a lesson that I, I had to remember that I've, I, I learned is that, you know, when you really get to that point where you simply can't do it, yeah. give it 10 more seconds, give, yeah. just give it 10, yeah. 10 seconds. And then after that 10 seconds, maybe 10 more seconds. Just, I mean, just 10. Just reevaluate. Don't, and then, yeah. yeah don't give fuck, another 10. Don't yeah. fucking go crazy. Don't go for a minute. Just go 10 seconds. But then when you do that 10 seconds, maybe give it another 10. And the thing about it is, yeah, just the, the very act of hanging on mm-hmm. um, does beget some opportunities that perhaps you did not think were possible. Yeah. And then the last thing is, and this is the truth, and I figure I got to put it out there. You don't have to have a lot of friends because I don't have a lot of friends as long as the friends that you do have are true friends. Mm. And uh, and I, you know, I I had I write a, a list of names, but really you, you and Joe are are right up there. I, I, there's just no way I could have survived the last nine months without the two of you on both ends. It's very funny because you were sort of like the id where you were really fucking angry that it was happening. And you almost were more angry about it than I was on my behalf. And Joe was sort of like the super ego where he was like, okay, I'm not going to let you talk about this. I would start to talk about it and he'd listen for a few minutes and then he'd shift to whatever he was doing. Cause he was like, yeah, dwelling on this i'm not interested and you're not interesting and <laughs> this is not going to help you this is not going to help you talk about this to me so i got you to talk about it too and joe to divert me from having to actually look at it and it was just like the two of you really you know i yeah. wouldn't have survived without you i wouldn't have survived without you and that is a really good it's not like it's a new lesson, but it's one that's new for me. So I, I, I enjoy it. You have to remind yourself of these things. I mean, you know, you said earlier that, you know, a lot of your birthday lessons learned are repeats. You learn the same lessons over and mm-hmm. over again. And, you know, while you've already, you've long known that friends, friends matter, good friends matter, real friends matter, um, when it reveals itself... Right there in the yeah, spotlight. Not, it, doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't feel as real until it's tested. Yeah, yeah. And, and and this was, I mean, you know, for, back, for for lack of a better way of putting it, for a lot, for the number of friends that I have, but specifically for you and Joe, this was your test and you passed. So rock and roll. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you guys passed the test. Well, so, I got to say, it was, uh, it was my pleasure. I had a lot of fun listening to your misery. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed getting really pissed off on your behalf. Well, I mean, all in all, it sounds like you had, well, you had a year oh, and it was certainly I had a, year a horrible of, fucking year. I had a horrible year, but I learned a lot from it. And that's I, not, that's gotta be beneficial. A year of growth. I think that's, that's, if we're going to, let's talk about baby optimism here. There you go. If, if you have, if you live a year and you don't grow at all, what the fuck were you doing? Why are you, no shit. what is the point of being alive? If you're not going to grow and, and learn and recognize and forgive and accept some fault and maybe hunker down on some grudges to help you learn some things later on, whatever. I, I think, yeah, a hard year, but ultimately a successful year because like you said, pain is inevitable. And, I came you know, out of it a Joe hole. and I passed yeah. the test. Dude, you passed the yes. test. Well, thank you. And uh, and now we see what happens in 58. Um, I would like to think, and this is just sort of me being bizarrely, I don't think this is... I mean, it's almost like I'm I'm like doing astrology, 
But <laughs> I am 57 years old, and my favorite number, my lucky number, is 57. Well, there you go. It's right on time. So, right on time. Uh, so maybe you know, it'd be nice if I had a year, a year of just re- maybe. I don't even. I'm not even looking for a year of success. But how about a year with no bullshit? How about that? Yeah, you I'd deserve right a break. Yeah, you deserve a break, and you're poised to it. I mean, you're you're being you're set up for success right now. And now, Rorschach of the news. It's your first Rorschach. No more sliced cheese, white rice under proposed Iowa SNAP bill. Let me give you a little background. Iowa House Republicans, of course, are proposing restrictions on the state's SNAP benefits that could dramatically limit what foods recipients can get at the store. No white grains, no baked, refined, or chili beans, no fresh meats, no sliced, cubed, or crumbled cheese. What about grated? It doesn't say grated. It just oh, says sliced, go. cubed, or crumbled. Um, uh, why? Because they hate people. They don't like poor people. I don't know why. I, mean, I could no understand reason. if there was like... You can't have processed foods. You can't have like if there was like a like a, a health thing. I I, I mean I, that's not okay. But like I I get it. That's at least a, a leg for them to stand to wobble on. But like fresh meat is fresh vegetables or fruits in it. Can you get those? Uh yeah, you can get fresh fruits. What you can't get the the proposed restrictions are. You can only pur- purchase a hundred percent whole wheat bread. Brown rice and 100% whole wheat pasta, so no white grains. Okay, so this is probably a health thing. That's a health thing. No baked, refried, or chili beans. You can get black, red, and pinto beans, and I don't really understand that at all. Okay. No fresh meats. People can purchase only canned products like canned tuna or canned salmon, and no sliced, cubed, or crumbled cheese, and no... I don't I do not get this. No American cheese. And this is from Republicans. I, Forty this, House Republicans have co-sponsored the bill, man. I what kind of cheese is is left? I mean other than grated and I'm that sounds like it or might big, be a loophole or versus... Or big bricks, or, what, or my favorite thing, giant bricks of cheddar cheese. I mean they can buy that with a snap. But they like, can't get it if it was cubed. Just the big chunk of, uh, like the big rectangle of Velveeta. Like that's... It sounds to me like they're trying to get rid of... First of all, they don't want to use SNAP benefits for fresh meat because fresh meat costs so much money. And second of all, everything else falls kind of under the snack food. Let's get rid of the snack. Those poor people don't deserve yeah. snacks. Jesus. Fucking Cause, monsters. Because that's what, you know, cube cheese, when you watch the, you know, when you're watching the Super Bowl, you have the little short pieces of summer sausage and the cube cheese. Fuck off. Those poor people, those poor people can't eat that. They're not allowed to yeah, snack. These guys are dicks. If they if they're really concerned about health then you invest some money in health education and promoting health advocacy. This is bullshit. And it's so weird to be coming from the Republican party. You really well, that's just really so out of character. It. It's yeah. totally out of character. I don't understand it. I mean, like I understand the dem- um, the Democrats doing. It. I mean, the Democrats are coming for our guns, they're coming for our babies, our unborn children. 
it makes perfect sense they would come for our cube. They're making up pronouns. Yeah, yeah. Do, they're crazy. But the, the Republicans who are all about freedom of choice. I, I yeah. I mean, wow. Just really, I'm, I'm gonna have to sit with with this for a while. I'm 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 rattled. Oh, there you go. Number two, major insurance companies halt new policies for Kias. Hyundai's amid St. Louis area theft surge. Basically, if you own a Kia or Hyundai in St. Louis, you can't get car insurance because the theft rate of (laughs) the thefts of Kias and Hyundai's is so ridiculous. Theft of Kias and Hyundai's jumped 1,450% last year in the city. From 273 thefts to three south, <laughs> this is killing me. Wow. 3,958. <laughs> okay. I so. mean, like, Kia's and Hyundai's, I mean, it's a big, they're going nuts for it. And it's so pervasive that you can't even get insurance if you own a Kia or a Hyundai in St. Louis. I, I got to say, the, um, I think you're saying it correctly. I think the pronunciation you're providing is correct. Hyundai. But Hyundai, you, yeah. But you're probably the only person that says it that way outside of Japan. Hyundai. Who else says? Who else? Hyundai. Nobody says Hyundai. Do people really? It's Hyundai, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. I no, I think it. that's actually what it is. But I think you're also the only person I know that actually says it the right way. That's not as important as this. Well, Honda. there's Honda. Honda. It's not no, Hyundai. I know. It's Honda. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I'm just, it's, it just sounds odd saying it. sounds correctly. odd. Um, Fair enough. Honda's got to be doing backflips over this because Honda Accords and Honda <laughs> Civics for a long time have been the cars that are getting lifted, that they're so easy to steal. And those are the ones going. So, I mean, there's Honda's new marketing campaign is you'll get insurance. You'll be insured, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's shitty. That sucks. But that's the game of insurance. If there's too much risk... They don't take the risk. That's true. So, yeah, Kia and, and uh, Hyundai need to, uh, <laughs> I don't know, install doors that don't open and windows that don't break, I guess, to help prevent robberies. I, I don't know. I don't know. They, well, then they'd, why buy one? Because it'd be too expensive. Yeah, I guess um, it sounds like either way they're fucked. I guess they're going to have to close up shop. I think that's probably what's going to happen. You guys had a good run. Here's this is from your one of your favorite uh, periodicals, HuffPost. Mm, Love Um, it. Is (laughs) mouth? Hold on, God. Is mouth is mouth taping as dangerous as it sounds? The experts weigh in. Apparently, there is there. Hold on. There's a huge TikTok. Uh, thing going on. Apparently, I don't follow TikTok, but basically, <laughs> the the thing is that you're supposed to breathe through your nose, not through your mouth. So kids are putting <laughs> duct tape across their mouths when they go to bed, <laughs> so they only breathe through their nose and not their mouth. Mm. And there are some uh, there are some both health benefits and some uh, health deficits. I just thought, well, that sounds like a perfect Rorschach the news point. This is what I love about HuffPost is that they have <laughs> they have the bravery to tackle the issues 
that no other uh, <laughs> newspaper or news outlet will will we'll even go near at all. And and not only are they tackling these really tough, important, um, but you know, scary Serious. scary topics. But they've got. Yeah. But they have the experts. I mean, this is. You know, you talk about journalism dying. I mean, maybe so, but HuffPost is 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 the crocodile that's going to live through it because just wow, wow. And you know what, kids? I, I, yeah. I mean, we did dumb shit when we were kids, right? I mean, you know, I I used to sleep with a plastic bag over my head because really, no. No. Okay, good. I was going to say, what the fuck? I mean, I did, I did create my own makeshift, uh, like, bee costume, like, beekeeper costume, because I heard that killer bees were coming, and I wore it to school for a week until they made me stop wearing it because it stunk, because I was afraid <laughs> that killer bees were coming from Africa, because that was all in the news. But they wouldn't eat and their I own. Was like, right. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, like, I got, like, netting. You oh know, God. and like, and I did. I created a beekeeper costume, like so oh, that I wouldn't I thought be you killed said, I, by I'm the. I'm sorry. I thought you said you dressed up as a bee. That you like made a bee costume. No, no, I dressed up like a beekeeper. <laughs> I mean, I had, I made, I did this makeshift beekeeper costume. Yeah. So that when the killer bees came, they would eat the other children and leave me alone. Now, granted, this was like in sixth grade. So what the fuck did I know? But yeah, yeah. I knew enough to build a makeshift beekeeper. <laughs> costume right you gotta give me some credit no that's great it's not like taping my fucking mouth while i sleep jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) all right hit me with the next one next one is in your in your neck of the woods music box theater Mm -hmm. in chicago illinois cancels screening a film called transphobic all right so you've got this independent film called actors and uh, you've got this. You've it, seriously, and basically, the film is basically it's it's sort of meta in that this brother sister team. She's the director. Um, she is an actor. He is an actor. He's had much more success in his career in sort of a, a B movie way. Um, she made an independent film that she got forty thousand dollars from Kickstarter to make. But basically, the story is that the two of them are vying for roles and her brother decides that he would get more roles if he was transgender. And so he becomes a fully transitioned transgender woman so that he can get better roles and she has a problem with it. Well, her perspective as a director is this is really this is really a, a satire on the fragility of white cis males, but uh, the trans community in Chicago decided that it was, and not even Chicago, actually, it was New York, believe it or not, um, decided that this film should be, uh, it, it's transphobic and reeks of violence. And it was enough, uh, enough hoorah that the music box quietly pulled a screening of the controversial, controversial indie film following tweets, mm. tweets yeah, that accused the film of transphobia and fascism. Your thoughts, sir? People need to read more Don Hall and Littered Ape. <laughs> I think they will stop finding the... 
what's the word? The faux joy in victimhood. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. Like, there's, it's, it's so fucking stupid. This is not. <laughs> this is, is not like stupid, birth of yeah. a nation. You know, it's not like they took no, Mein no, Kampf it, and and no, you it's know, a, it's a satire. And the thing that, that, that blows my mind is that most of the people that complained about it haven't seen the movie, which seems to be sort of yeah, well, kind of the the mo lately is you don't have to see it, you just have to get a hint, and somebody has to say it's transphobic. And then, or or you know, racist, or whatever it happens yeah. to be, white supremacist, and and you just go along with it because hey, we don't like that thing. I mean, that was one of the things I said the other day was you can't blame, you simply can't blame the five black officers uh, in Memphis for killing a black man on white supremacy, because right. he, you know. And my p- point was, Pol Pot was not a Nazi, right. And he also wasn't white, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit more complicated. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, music box, yeah. fucking. And I love the music box. Go to the lost and found behind the concession stand and pull oh, your terrible. spine out and stick it back up your ass where it belongs. Like, come on, put it. Have you ha, have you seen that lost and found? I have. Have you seen that lost and found? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is not a. This is not a. The thing about it is when you look at that lost to fan and then you think about the self-righteousness of this movement, you go, nah, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Those people with their bongs and their needles and- Yeah, I'm wondering how many of these- They're these, really- These tweeters. really bad, bad American apparel hoodies. They don't deserve this. How many of those tweets came from people that have never stepped foot in the music box? Other than to maybe what, do like the-, the um, the Christmas, you know, white Christmas sing-along. Of course, they have no problem yeah, with white yeah. Christmas and all the, the black face is, in that I loved, movie, but I whatever. Love, I love the music box. I miss the music box because Wichita doesn't have any kind of any film at all. Yeah. There's nothing like it here, and I would love it if there was, and I'm, I got stuff to do so I can't make it happen. Number five. Now, you heard that Walt Disney World closed down the Splash Mountain water ride. I did, yeah. And uh, it is now undergoing a complete makeover because it was, you know, it was obviously, it was based on Song of the South <laughs> with Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Rare, <laughs> which is not, which is not a real good look for Disney World. Yeah, it's, you know, not it's not like not a the good music look. box is screening <laughs> Song of the yeah, South. Yeah, it's not Song of the fucking South with Uncle Remus, you know. I mean, so, so I kind of get... I, I just like I kind of. In fact, the last time with my third ex-wife uh, for her birthday, the year before my shitty birthday, we went to uh, we went to Disneyland, and of course we rode the Splash Mountain Splash Mountain Water Ride, and yeah. and and you know they managed to kind of shunt it off <laughs> from the <laughs> obvious racism of the film. However, I think it's probably a good thing. That they're remaking it. However, here's the news item. Authentic, in quotes, Splash Mountain Water sells on eBay for $20, $25, and $45 a pint. Gross. They're basically selling it on eBay 
that they've closed a Splash Mountain water ride and they're selling the water like a commemorative item. That is going to be purchased by the people that maybe annoy me the most that we have to share yeah. space with. Yes. Adult yes. Disney fans that wear Disney clothes, that go to Disney every no, year, that just love racist. No, but racist Disney fans. I mean, there's like a subculture oh, think, within a subculture. That's crazy. Yeah, but I think you're going to get people that are just like, but I love it. It's childhood and I love Goofy and Pluto and I want that water because this is the original, like just like my child. No, but, but there's no Goofy and Pluto. It's Brer Rabbit and Brer Brer. I mean, it's a good story. It's the Tar Disney. Baby. It's the story of the Tar Baby. Are you, yeah. Come on. I, I know. I mean, the thing about Disney it is Disney fans I'm, I'm are the stupid. First, <laughs> that's fair. I'm the first one to kind of go, yeah, the whole white supremacy is everywhere is a little ridiculous, but also, hey, come on. Yeah. Song of the South. Jesus. Song of the South. I'm sorry. You've gone too far. <laughs> Wow. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't buy uh, that at all. No, but it's a, it's a smart move by Disney because they know their uh, they know their audience. They know they have adults, moronic adults that will spend their stupid money on a stupid bottle of water that's been sitting in or recycled through a fifty year old. But the thing about it is, the, the thing about it is, if you if you've been on the ride. And I've been on the ride. And so I'm saying the water, it's not like the water is in a pool where it just sits there. Right. The water's constantly moving. So it's constantly recycled. So there's no fucking way anybody actually got the water from the ride. Yeah. And can say it's the ride. So basically people are selling water, like any water. They just fill it up with a tap water and saying it's from that ride. And people are buying it. And all they're going to do with it is put it next to their snow globes, all their Disney snow globes, and their Disney stuffed animals that they have in their house. You know, and they again, might as well just have own, Aquafina. They might as well have Aquafina up there, except exactly. maybe yeah. tap water from Albuquerque. I just, just right. I don't right. get it. <laughs> That's nuts. All right, finally, also based on, also based on your town and my former town, and hopefully my future town. And dealing with, uh, no, uh, this, this fucking cracked me up so hard. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Chicago school official busted for embezzling $1.5 million in chicken wings. Vera Liddell, director of food services at Harvey School District 152, just outside Chicago, is accused of embezzling $1.5 million worth of chicken wings from the district. Basically, during COVID, the district made business... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the district business manager conducted a routine mid-year audit and discovered the food service department was more than $300,000 over its annual budget within school year, only half over. The closure review <laughs> uncovered individual invoices signed by Liddell for absurd quantities of chicken wings. Oh my God. Surveillance video showed that Liddell showed up at Gordon Food Service to pick up the food orders and would leave them in the district cargo van, but the food never brought was never brought to the school or the students. She basically stole a million and a half dollars worth 
of fucking school. Not just good chicken wings. Like <laughs> cafeteria, <laughs> cafeteria school chicken wings. Yeah, but she God. stole a million and a half dollars of them. What do you do? She's hosting what Super Bowl parties. What do you do with... I'm gonna say because that's a lot of fucking chicken it's wings. A lot of chicken. What wings. do you do with that many? What do you do with that many fucking chicken wings? Fucking eat them. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. Did she make art with them? Did she build a chicken wing sculpture? Of I read. I, well, see, I think they would find that. I'm just saying. I read that and I laughed. I mean, I I probably laughed for 45 minutes because <laughs> it, I just couldn't. I couldn't get my mind around. Okay, I understand. Like, okay, it's COVID. I mean, you know, I was working in a casino during COVID, and one of the things that we encountered was that all our booze was kind of expiring, all the beer at least, not the booze. The the beer was expiring, and so I had to go through on a, on a week-to-week basis during the lockdown and, like, figure out, all right, what beer can't I sell anymore? And some of it, I'll be honest, I took home, and some of it I gave to the engineering staff. I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do. You can't throw I'm not going to throw it in the trash. <laughs> But because it's, I mean, it's it's like the beer expiration date is like kind of a suggestion. So I did that. So I get that. But a million, I mean, you know, the most I gave to the engineering staff was maybe like, you know, you know here's like $400, $400 worth of fucking Modelo. A million point five. That's so much fucking chicken wings. That's, they're, they're that's just a lot. That's a ridiculous. I mean, it's just like it's a ridiculous. It's like almost it's almost a Mel Brooksian amount of chicken wings. Yeah, I still can't yeah. get my mind around it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm. You know, everybody takes shit from work. You take pens or post-it notes. <laughs> so, you know, I don't blame her. I don't blame him. <laughs> I love that's the best thing you've said in years. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. It's just like yeah, yeah. You know, hey, I need some, I need some staplers. Yeah, I need some paper clips. I need one point five million dollars of chicken wings. God damn. There are six things you should do this week. First thing to do, it's a read in the Atlantic. Of course. It's just good stuff. Uh, and it, it is. And it's about writing. The headline here by Imani Perry, writing is a democratic art. We all can and should do our part to leave a record of our lives behind. I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, this, you know, you got to be careful, though, because this is one of those things where... I should write my story. I've got a great story. You know, not everybody should write a novel for anybody else to read. Sometimes it's just, you know, write a blog and leave it behind for your children and grandchildren. If you're not... Which is what I've done. Yeah. And I'm not going to have grandchildren. (laughs) I'm not going to have children. So I'm leaving a blog for... uh, I don't know. I don't know who I'm leaving it for, but I'm leaving it. For the archaeologists. Deal with it. There you go. There you go. All right. I like that. That's good. My first thing is a listen. And I can't recommend this enough. And you must. I really, I I can't encourage you personally, but anybody listening should listen to this. 
Um, you may, whether you like Barry Weiss or not, she has a podcast called Honestly, and she had Ken Burns on to talk about what she said. The the the, the name of the uh, episode is Ken Burns on the most important film he will ever make on Apple Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Basically, he made you know he did the Holocaust, America and the Holocaust. Yeah, and it is and Barry is Barry is very focused on Israel. And I really loved how he handled it. But I got to tell you, it's the best goddamn. I've listened to, I have listened to this one podcast four times. It's. Wow. He is so goddamn insightful and intelligent and focused. It's a really great conversation. So my recommendation is go, go to Apple Podcasts, find Honestly, find. Ken Burns on the most important film he will ever make on Apple Podcasts. I'm telling you, you will not regret the hour you spend because Ken Burns. He, if, if, you know, you, you always think about who's this, who's the guy you want to like have dinner with. Yeah, yeah. You would never want that. Ken Burns is one of the uh, just from this conversation. I've always admired what he does as a documentarian, but goddamn, he has such a brilliant perspective. On storytelling, on history, on politics, um, I just was thoroughly moved and and very impressed with this interview. So I yeah. think you should listen to it. All right. My next thing is also a read, and it's also in the Atlantic. Uh, the myth propelling America's violent police culture. Uh, this is written by Sue Rar. Uh, Sue Rar was um, she's a former sheriff of King County in Washington State. Mm -hmm. Uh, The subhead is, I worked in law enforcement for decades. Officers who see themselves as noble heroes can be the ones who do the most harm. That's interesting. Oh, okay. What's great about it is, you know, it comes from a cop who right off the bat, she admits that she uh, sided with officers when you know, on like criminal charges, um, Mm -hmm. that they, they should, on on killings, you know, like, yeah, they, they should have killed that guy because he had a criminal record and had just committed another felony. So nope, he needed to die. Like she was part of that, that blue line culture. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's good insight. Very good. Very good. My second thing is a watch. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and this is how it relates to my experience uh, in my 57th birthday. I want you to watch Fall. You can rent it on Amazon Prime. It's a film. It is, it's it, it, basically the film is about, you get, a, you get a young woman. She's married to a guy. She's got a friend. They're doing rock climbing. Mm. And, and the husband falls and dies. And so a year later, um, her friend says, "Come on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you out of your funk. I'm gonna pull you out of your grief. You're grieving, and you need to face your fear. So we're gonna climb this goddamn TV tower that's two thousand feet oh God. high. And they climb up, and then the ladder that they climbed up breaks off, <laughs> and they're stuck on the top of this fucking ladder." I'm telling you, it is, it sounds so cheeseball. It is a really (laughs) profoundly good action film, given that most of the action takes place on a platform 2,000 feet above the desert. But it's really good. Wow. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. All right, my third thing to do this week is a listen. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Hit Parade. Uh, this episode is Thinking About Tomorrow. There's a, it's a two-parter, unless you're a Slate member, then you get it all at once. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Thinking About Tomorrow. This is the story of Fleetwood Mac. Um, oh, wow, that sounds great. But more specifically... Uh, it's about Christine McVie, who died in mm-hmm. uh, November mm-hmm. last year. Um, so cr- the host, Chris Malanfi, uh, he remembers Christine McVie, who died in late 2022 at age 79, and restores her rightful place as the glue that held Fleetwood Mac together. And it, I mean, Fle- God, I mean, Fleetwood Mac really is just, it's it argue, or you cannot argue that it is one of the greatest bands. No question. It, Ever, yeah. I mean, yeah. No question. The yeah. the ch- the charts are there. The album sales are there. The quality of music is there, and a lot of that quality came from Christine McVie. Um, it's so the soundtrack is great as you're listening to it because they're just playing a lot of Fleetwood Mac songs. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's a really cool story. But what what a really quietly brilliant woman uh, Christine McVie was, and how she shaped so much of of pop music in the throughout the 70s 80s i mean i guess yeah. and then you know Fleetwood Mac kind of fizzled out after that but yeah it's it's a really really good really good episode all right that, that sounds great yeah, yeah i like that i will look at that my final thing is an app and that's only got two episodes out by the time you're listening to this the third episode is out it is apple plus's shrinking um, and I text, I, when I watch, I, I just decided I love Jason Seagal. I love Jason Seagal, um, or Seagal, however you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I love Harrison Ford and he's in it, but, uh, this is, and it was just like one night I was like, I can't look at the same shit that I'm looking at. I want to see something new. And I was like, Oh, Hey, here's this shrinking. It just dropped on Apple TV. It's basically about a therapist whose wife died in a car accident and a year later he's got a kid like a teenage kid he just went down the fucking grief rabbit hole yeah. right just the first time you see him his neighbor at three o'clock in the morning is coming to say could you turn the music off because he's basically doing painkillers and drinking and he's got two prostitutes in his pool and she says, are they prostitutes? He goes, I don't think so. She said, did you pay them to be here? And he was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I like J- I like, I like Jason Siegel. Um, but uh, it's really just what, what I love about it is he's a therapist. He's completely fucked up by grief. His life is a complete disaster because his wife died and he doesn't know how to get past it. Yeah. And yet he's a therapist who kind of lands on the idea that if you just would what what uh, Harrison Ford calls him in the first episode is a psychological terrorist because he's just telling people <laughs> yeah like he he looks at this woman who's and I can't remember her name but she's from Saturday Night Live she she's got this abusive husband and he finally he's he's hung over 
He's probably got a little drugs in his system. He's probably still a little drunk, but he's listening. He says, dude, we've been doing this for two fucking years. He's a fucking asshole. He doesn't love you. You need to fucking leave him. You need to leave him. And she thinks about it. And he realizes he's kind of crossed the boundary of ethic, you know, therapy, ethicality. And she thinks about it. And she goes, okay. And then throughout the next two episodes, you see that she did leave him and she's much happier. And he feels really vindicated mm. by, by being this therapist that tells you the motherfucking truth. And I texted you and I said, you're going to watch yeah. shrinking. Cause this is sort of like if I <laughs> was a fucking therapist and I tell you, the, all I can tell you is because it's very well done. Not only did I really identify with the character, Man, I watched two episodes and I bawled like I like like someone close died. I oh I watched God. these movies and at the end of these episodes. I bawled like I, like my face was gonna fall off, and I went, "Oh yeah, this is good shit." So <laughs> shrinking on Apple Plus, I cannot recommend it enough. Right on, I'll give that a go. And that's the show. And this is the fiftieth year. Show. Here we go. It's gonna be here we go. It's gonna be what it is. Hopefully, better than it is, not. I I think it's I. Well, the thing about it is, <laughs> given that I'm not gonna get married again, it has to be better. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? You get to be the married with kids guy, and I'm gonna be the fucking angry. Not even maybe the no. You get to be the blissfully happy guy with with autonomy well, and his own agency and no children <laughs> no children and and just to get to do whatever i want and uh you know maybe i'll have a few lonely nights but you know what the lonely nights balance out with the the, the horror yeah of being married to a prostitute yeah done it's behind us now forward it is we move forward forward hope and forgiveness not shame and blame there you go. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?